Week three of Wired for Worship. Week one, we talked about coming to the Lord with our worship in reverence and awe. And that we're called to be a people that, that bring our worship to the Lord with that mindset. That when we come here on Sunday morning to sing, that we need to bring an attitude of, of really honoring the Lord with all that we do. And that our worship, it's, it's not only given to the Lord, but it impacts, it impacts us. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the reality that worship is warfare. It's warfare when it comes to our own minds and our thoughts and the battles that we have, that worship is a way that we actually battle um, the wars that we face in our mind and in our situations, our circumstances. And not only does worship impact us, but also impacts those that are around us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Um, but as we get ready for this uh, passage, uh, I thought this was fitting. Saw a couple of these on Facebook, and then I started doing some reflection in my own life growing up. And the question is, is um, how dad are you? Based upon the dadisms that we have and that we say, you might be saying, what does that even mean? You ever heard your dad say this? You think money grows on trees? Well, someone asks for more money. Anybody use that one? That's what my dad used all the time growing up, okay? Maybe it wasn't that one, maybe it was this one. You think I'm made of money? And when someone leaves the lights on in the house, right? <laughs> lights always on in the house. I'm always turning lights off in the house. I don't, I don't know why they're always on. What are you, born in a barn when someone leaves the front door open, right? <laughs> yep. Maybe it's this one. I'm not paying the heat out outside, right? Leaving the front door open. How about this one? Found it when pointing a stud finder at his chest, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's good. Looks like we'll have to amputate when a kid has a minor injury, right? Got to cut it off, all right? Let's rock and roll when it's time to leave. That's mine. That's my go-to. Let's go, rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. Let's head out. No, your other right. When someone mistakes left for right, right? Use that one all the time. I was just resting my eyes after falling asleep on the couch, right? You guys are going to be taking a nap this afternoon, aren't you, dads, right? Just resting the eyes. Guess I'll let anyone in here when seeing a friend in public. Can't get very far without these. After forgetting your keys, come back in, right? Look, deer, when driving past deer, right? I do that one all the time, okay? Maybe, I guess it was only me and Kevin do that, I guess, all right? All right. People know how to drive in this town, in every town that you're in. <laughs> we needed this rain every time it rains, right? <laughs> Even if it's been a wet spring. That's how they get you after declining additional warranty protection, right? <laughs> Listen, son, that's how they get you, all right? Long time no see when someone comes back inside because they forgot something, right? That's not going anywhere after trying, tying something down in the truck, right, car? This is the best one. It's not heavy, just awkward when carrying something heavy, right? It's true. Uh, that last one. It's not ha heavy, just awkward when carrying something heavy. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I think oftentimes... When it comes to something like that, I'm trained or we're trained that when, when things are tough, when things are hard, there's this voice inside my head that says, you can't display weakness. You can't display weakness. You can't be vulnerable. You can't show emotions. 
I think it's true definitely for dads, for guys, but I think it's true maybe for all of us as people. We all wrestle with this belief that I can't be honest about pain. And whether it's a thousand little cuts or whether it's a significant trauma, significant pain, society says, let's not, let's not talk about that. That's uncomfortable. Let's move along. There's a longing inside of us to just to live with a life that's just a highlight reel of all good things, right? But that's not really real life. We live in a broken world. We live with broken relationships. We, we live with longings and things that we want to experience, but we, we don't experience those things, and there's this gap that we experience. And when it comes to worship, what do we do when we've experienced pain and we've experienced maybe trauma or maybe we've experienced a lot of different things and we can't really pinpoint it, but worship, we, we just come and we just go, I don't know if I, if I can worship. I don't even know if I want to worship. I don't want to worship. What do we do when, when we have so much pain that we can't even get to a point of actually singing to God? Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you've never been there, but I want to tell you, if you live long enough, you may eventually get there. What does the scripture say about this? Today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 61 to start. Isaiah is a prophet. And he's coming to actually share at least the two-thirds of the book. Not a really fun message that he's giving to the people of Israel. This is the message. The north kingdom, Israel, will fall soon. Assyria is coming. The Assyrians are coming, and they're going to wipe you out. Judah, the southern kingdom that's divided, God's nation divided. Judah, you're next. Eventually, the Babylons, Babylonians, they're coming. And luckily, by God's grace, the message doesn't just stop there. The last part of Isaiah, Isaiah says, by God's grace, he's going to allow a remnant. He's going to allow a small group of people, they're going to remain faithful. And Isaiah is describing to the people that this remnant about how they're going to endure, how they're going to continue on, how God's going to continue to be faithful to them, even in the midst of tragedy, that God's going to bring them back home after they go off to captivity. God's judgment is coming, but so is his comfort. And in Isaiah chapter 61, it's a chapter where we actually get to see this transition of what Israel's working through. As they work through the pain, as they work through the reality of, of, of captivity, and how God's going to remain faithful to them, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. But good news is coming. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says this. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, the prophet says, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Everybody say good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Why are they grieving? We've talked about this. 
They are seeing the future through the prophet Isaiah and saying, tragedy is coming. Pain is coming. Captivity is coming. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to bring redemption. I'm going to bring healing for those who grieve. Israel, Judah, finds themselves in a place where they realize that all around them, darkness is surrounding them. And Isaiah is trying to let them know, even though darkness is surrounding them, God's going to remain faithful. He's going to remain faithful. He goes on to say this, that God's going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of, what's it say up there? Instead of beauty, what? Maybe it's up there? Next passage. Next one? Is it up there? Maybe we're frozen. I don't know. Instead of beauty, what's it say? I already heard it. Ashes. Ashes. The oil of joy instead of, what's the next one? Mourning. And a garment of praise instead of what? A faint spirit or a spirit of despair. How do you move from a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair? I think it's going to require us to remember Isaiah chapter 61, the first part of it, right? The first part of it says that God's going to continue to bring good news and he's going to continue to be faithful even in the midst of the pain that they're going to experience. God says, I'm bringing good news. I'm going to continue to be faithful in the midst of the pain that you're experiencing. You see, moving from despair... To praise requires us to believe that God is going to tell a good story out of the pain and trauma that you are experiencing. You must trust that even when you don't feel it. If you're here this morning and you're experiencing that place where you're like, I'm here, but I'm not really here because the pain is too much. The heartache is too much. Would you be willing to trust that God is bringing good news even in the midst of the pain that you're experiencing? You might say, sure, I guess. Because I know, I've been in that place where you go, I know that good is coming out of this, but I can't see anything but darkness around me. I can't see anything but tragedy around me. I can't see anything but pain around me. Would you be willing to hold on to the truth even though you may not experience or feel that truth. The pain that you are currently experiencing does not get the final say. It is not the final chapter. You notice in Isaiah, God just doesn't stop two-thirds of the way through Isaiah and go, this is all that's going to happen is tragedy. No, he leaves the whole last third of the book to talk about how God's going to remain faithful. Romans 8, 28 puts it this way. And we know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works out all things, even the pain, even the trauma. God works it out for good. But it's going to require you to do a couple different things. You see, moving from despair to praise, it requires us to oftentimes offer a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. It requires us to come and to honor God even in the midst of the pain, to offer sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. 
And this is a group of people, just so you guys know, Hebrews is a group of people. The writer's writing, and, he, and he's writing to a group of people that are actually in the midst of trauma. Because they're Jewish Christians that have their identity in a lot of things that God had called them to do, like go to the temple and worship and offer a sacrifice. And guess what? The temple's destroyed. They're in the midst of trauma. They're in the midst of pain. They don't know what to do. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, it's going to be okay. God's with you. Continue to remain faithful. And then says this in, in uh, verse 15, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices god is pleased what's the writer saying sometimes your worship it is literally a sacrifice sometimes it is literally coming in here with with every little bit of energy that you have and saying i'm going to offer my worship i'm going to offer my praise and it's going to be a sacrifice it is hard for me to sing in this moment why because i'm mad i'm hurting i'm frustrated and god says give me your worship give me your worship i'm gonna i'm gonna exchange the spirit of despair for a spirit of worship and a spirit of praise but you've got to be willing to come and offer a sacrifice of praise when we choose to do this god begins to bring healing when we come and we offer a sacrifice of praise god actually begins to bring healing not only spiritually but here's what's crazy in addition to that, physically. Did you know that? That worship actually brings healing physically. Any science people? Nurses? You guys are going to love this, right? You probably already know, right? So there's a couple things that are going on in our brain. The first part of the brain I want to talk about is the amygdala. Ever say amygdala. If you know, the amygdala is a part of your brain that lets you know things that you need to be fearful of, things you need to be worried about, things in regards to danger. This is a part of your brain that, that is constantly helping you essentially survive, okay? So your amygdala will tell you things like, stay away from that danger. For example, my wife is definitely afraid of snakes. Anybody afraid of snakes? Okay, maybe it's not snakes, maybe it's spiders, right? This morning, uh, Joel, one of our elders, he, he was talking about how he was in my office this week. He's like, hey, just so you know, I was in your office. I was working on the soundboard, and there was a big spider, and I couldn't kill it. And I don't know where it went, but it's in here. <laughs> my wife, she'd be up here on the stage. She'd see these black cords. She'd be like, is that a snake? No, that's just a cord. That's just a cord. It's not a snake, right? That's the amygdala. Now, there's another part of your brain I gotta make sure I say this correctly. I wrote it down. Hippocampus. Did I say that correctly? That part of your brain is actually the part of the brain that says, it's okay. It's not a snake. It's a cord. It's okay. You're good. It's okay. You're all right. You're doing all right. Here's the thing that we need to understand. When you experience pain, when you experience trauma, that part of your brain shrinks. It shrinks. 
which is the reason why people experience pain and trauma oftentimes are just on red line. Because where is danger coming next? Where is pain coming next? Here's what's amazing. Hippocampus, when you worship, it grows back. They've proven it. When you pray, it grows back. When you worship, your brain, your body begins to physically heal. Your spirit begins to actually heal. Isn't it amazing that we worship a God that made us a certain way and then says, I want you to worship me because it's actually what's best for you, spiritually and physically. And yes, it's gonna be a sacrifice of praise at times, but come to me. I'm gonna heal you. The pain you carry, worship is healing therapy. That pain that you carry, it's healing therapy. Therapy, And you might be saying, I still can't worship, Pastor. I can't do it. I come and I can't do it. How could this happen? How could this be? I want you to know something. Even if you can't worship, you need to come. Because as God's people, we are called to be a people who intercede for one another through worship. We're called to intercede for one another through worship. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Isn't it interesting that a part of prayer is intercessory prayer, but he separates it. He separates it. Why? Because in our worship, we have the ability to actually intercede on behalf of other people. We have the ability to actually be a people that intercede through worship on behalf of people because when we worship, and we talked about this last week, when we worship, our worship inspires others when they cannot worship for themselves. When you come and you come to a place where like you're okay, you're not dealing with life's difficulties. When you choose to worship, do you realize that you are inspiring others that can't worship for themselves and this brings healing for people I love what David writes Psalm 34 I will extol the Lord only when I feel like it does it say that what's it say up there at all times at all times his praise will always be on my lips I will glory in the Lord look at this let the afflicted here, afflicted, it means meek, humble, poor, lowly. Let them hear, and then what is their response when they hear? When they hear you worshiping, what do they do? Rejoice. They follow your lead. Glorify the Lord, he then says, he says, with me. Let us exalt his name together when you come here to worship and you bring your worship and you sing with everything you have for those that are in the room that aren't there because of life and the pain you are inspiring them to lean into the Lord 
And when you can't worship, and if you're here this morning, we'll worship for you. We'll worship for you. When you can't, I can. We can. Because in that moment, in that moment, we begin to be reminded of the promises of God when others worship when I can't. And we are inspired to move forward. We are inspired to move on. And guess what, you guys? That's what it means to be a part of a family, right? That when others don't know if they can walk another day faithfully with Jesus, another brother or sister says, no, you can. We are with you. And I will worship for you when you can't worship yourself. Because this is what it means to be a part of a church. We need people to worship for us. We need people to inspire us. And God wants us to come with him with our worship, whatever we're facing, so that healing and inspiration can take place. One of my favorite stories is the story in Exodus chapter 17. You've probably heard this story. Exodus chapter 17. Story of Moses and Joshua. Does the Malachites came and attacked Israelites at Rephidim? Moses said, Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites and ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, if you come on Sunday morning tired, been tired, Notice what happens. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Malachite army with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Malach from under heaven. It took friends holding hands up to win. Who are the people in your life that are helping holding your hands up in praise and worship in the midst of the battles that you're facing? I want to tell you, uh, my wife and I experienced tremendous tragedy, trauma in our family years ago. There are times when, when life's tough, right? There are times when it's bad. And we were in a bad place. There were days... It was hard for my wife to get out of bed. We were talking about stepping away from ministry because my family needed me. And I couldn't, I couldn't lead here because uh, Jesus' church needs leadership. And if I was going to get in the way of that, I needed to step away. 
It was a hard time. It was a bad time. And for a year, we would come to worship. And some Sundays, I could tell with Natalie, she was angry with God. There were some Sundays I was angry with God. That was a year of a sacrifice of praise. And by God's grace, I don't know how this worked. The Sundays where she was struggling, I was okay. And vice versa. And that story is a story of for each other, we were holding each other's hands up. You understand? But not only were we holding each other's hands up, our best friends here at this church provided safe places for me and Allie to talk so that healing could take place. We had real relationships that we were connected to as we continue to work through the pain that we are experiencing. And every Sunday, we worshiped. And your guys' worship inspired us. To keep going. The lowly, the struggling, let them be reminded of God's faithfulness and his promises, and may we sing together, David says. Here's what I love about Isaiah chapter 61. Look at verse three. That when God remains faithful and he exchanges the spirit of despair for a garment of praise, look at how the world sees this remnant that's faithful in the midst of pain and trauma. It says that they will be called, what's that say up there? Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Have you seen an oak? These things are massive, right? Have you ever seen an oak in a storm? doesn't hardly move. You see a willow tree? Anybody own a willow tree? Any little bit of wind, you got a mess, right? All over in the yard. Like, man, I gotta pick up after this tree. An oak doesn't move. In the midst of the storm, doesn't move. Firmly planted. You know what I found out this week? Hurricane Katrina, you remember that went through? 140 mile an hour winds. There are thousands of oak trees in New Orleans. Thousands. They were worried that, that that whole landscape would never be the same again. Those trees would be gone, decimated. Do you know how many trees they lost out of the thousands? 3%. They were astonished. 3%. Only 3% of trees. 140 mile an hour winds. How is that possible? They went and did research on why these trees could withstand such a storm. You know what they found out? that their roots were connected to one another. 
and can withstand the storm. When we worship, when we come together, it's like our roots being intertwined together into the goodness of who God is and his promises even when we don't feel like those promises are true. And when we withstand the storm, it says that you will be like an oak of righteousness, a tree that's firmly planted. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We will remain steadfast because God is still telling a good story in the midst of the pain that you're experiencing. So as we wrap up today, a couple things I want you to think about. Number one, worship changes me and those around me. It changes you and those around you. Number two, showing up for church is just an obligation to God. It's a way to inspire others to persevere. And when we do that, God exchanges the spirit of despair for a garment of praise. This last quote, we have two contrasted pictures suggested. One of a mourner with gray ashes strewed upon his disheveled locks and his spirit clothed in gloom like a black robe. And to him there comes one who, with gentle hand, smooths the ashes out of his hair, trains a garland round his brow, anoints his head with oil, and stripping off the trappings of woe, casts about him a bright robe fit for a guest at a festival. That is the miracle that Jesus Christ can do for everyone and is ready to do for us if we will let him. Let's move into our time of communion. I want you just to bow your head and just pray for two things. First one is if you've come this morning and you've got a lot of pain, you've got a lot of hurt, Father's Day oftentimes is a brutal day for people. And if you're here today, would you pray about two things? First, would you be willing to offer a sacrifice of praise? And number two, would you be willing to share it with God's people? Because you're not meant to carry it alone. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you're doing okay, I want to remind you, your worship impacts those around you. So worship, intercede on someone's behalf through your worship. And number two, would you pray for those that you know in your life that are hurting today? you pray for those you know that are struggling today spend some time with the Lord